Hi, Sharon. Hi, Tim. It's been, I feel like it's been a while since you and I have connected. Yes, and yes I've missed I'm, you. Yeah, I've missed you too. Um, we've been talking back and forth uh, about a variety of different topics to focus on. And I, uh, and I think today where we're going to land is we're going to talk about context. Mm-hmm. Um, and context as it relates to Virginia Satir's work. Um, I had a conversation with Stephen Buckby and when he talked about a demonstration that uh, Virginia did, he kept referencing her connection and use of the context, whether it was the audience, whether it was the, maybe the, the camera crew that was there, her awareness and her oh, yes. use of the context oh, yes. was a very powerful. And so, you know, within, within um, her way of working and with my connection to various people that have been trained by her and, and the training that I've gone through, this word context has come up again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, she would often draw this circle with self and it was divided into three pieces, mm-hmm. like three pieces of a pie. One would focus on the element of the self. Mm-hmm. One would focus on the element of others. So mm-hmm. these are the subjective aspects of, of me and you, and then the context. And my initial understanding about context was the physical environment, um, the place that you're in. Um, so I wanted to sort through with you context as it relates to, um, well, as it relates to healing, as it relates to growth, our potential connection to it, because I think it's a factor that can easily be forgotten. So much of psychology focuses on let's say emotions or behavior. Um, but I think that focusing on and having an awareness of context deepens mm-hmm. those things. And yes. in that way, I think that context is related to the, the term systemic mm-hmm. uh, because it's how do these multi multiple factors influence and interact with one another. Um, now you're starting to talk about something like for example, between you and I, there's a space. What's mm-hmm. happening in the space between us? Um, mm-hmm. And that's starting to relate to the context. So what are you, what are your initial thoughts when, you know, trying to at least describe or define context, what comes to mind? Well, one of the things that flashed as you were talking was um, uh, when I have worked with uh, gang interventionists and in their agencies, mm-hmm. one of the things that I have really tried to highlight was the context for making contact. For example, somebody walks in the front door and they've just been expelled from school. And in an agency, the agency I was working in, there wasn't much private space, okay? So to help that uh, counselor or gang interventionist right away begin to think about the context that I am going to create to get this young person as much privacy as possible. The context of making contact by putting down my iPhone, which it turns out is so hard for anybody to do these days, (laughs) and to focus and to get as much distraction out of the way, and then to be conscious of the context that this person just came from, Mm. of feeling humiliated, angry, whatever's going on with them at the school, you know? So it's, to me, those kind of contexts are really, really important for a therapist, a coach, you know, a mentor, yeah. anybody yeah. to think about the context that you're creating 
and the the um, the container really mm-hmm. for safety for well, I think yeah, you're you're hitting upon a word when you say the context that you're creating. I was watching an interview with uh, Virginia and a family that's on the Satir Global website. Um, in this initial interview, it's the first time that she's meeting this family, and um, she asked them, you know, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling right now? And the boy says, you know, I've I've got something going on in my stomach, mm-hmm. and then she asks. Um, you know what are you what are you using from out here um, to create those feelings? You know, is it the camera? Is it the audience? Is it my funny face? She makes a joke, yeah. and she's she's referencing how are you using the environment to create an experience on the inside. So that that word create comes up, yes. and I think we're constantly interacting with. Um, things that are coming in, whether for a sensory experience, that is the context. You know, as I've been thinking about this, it seems like context is so important because when I start to think about it more and more, everything seems to become context. Context seems to consume everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how am I how am I interacting with you? Well, I'm interfaced with you through technology. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's affecting our connection. It would be a very different experience if Sharon, you and I were face to face and, you know, I could really, because right now I'm looking at, like, even right now I'm looking at you, I'm looking at your eyes mm-hmm. on the screen mm-hmm. um, and we're imagining we're making eye contact, but we're not, mm-hmm. right? The computer's producing this um, thing, but at least being able to see your face is allowing me to connect to a feeling about that. Yes. That would be different than maybe if I couldn't see your face. And if I didn't, if I couldn't see your face, then I'd have to use the context of your voice yes. as it's coming. The sound is coming into my ears. How am I using that? So I think in terms of empowerment, which we were talking about before we started, I think it can be such an empowering thing to think I'm interacting with my context all the time. How am I using what's around me? How am I using what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. Uh, how am I, what's my relationship like to the context um, I think is empowering and it becomes then a creative force. It becomes mm-hmm. creative power mm-hmm. to to think, well, what am I taking in and then yes. putting out from that? Yeah. So whether you call it self-leadership or congruence, that consciousness of choice, you know, of how am I going to use this this context? And I think in terms of relationships, it's extremely important that you make choices about what you say to whom and when you know that Mm -hmm. if it's a if it's a i've seen people violate their marriages a lot by being at a party or something and and saying something that they're scared to say at home uh and they so they violated that that the, the the bounds the boundaries of that marriage right or um somebody who is making a presentation and somebody else who publicly um, says something critical to them, a colleague, rather than saying it privately. So the, yeah. the consciousness of violation of a context, I think, is really an important one. Yeah, I wonder if thinking about, like one way of thinking about context is um, what is the function of where we are at a moment in time, mm-hmm. right? So what, in terms of the function and the purpose Exactly. Right? That yes. that establishes the context, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm going to see the doctor, 
I'm not there to bring wine and cheese to yes. lay it out on this table. That's that's not the function of that. Mm-hmm. So then that gets into role. The mm-hmm. context where we are establishes role, and mm-hmm. then we know then we know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Then then that shapes our our experience and then our perception. Um, and and I was thinking about when people are really unwell, when they're disconnected, let's say they're dissociated, maybe mm-hmm. they're having, you know, a psychotic break. Mm-hmm. They're then disconnected from their context. They're disconnected from other people. They're disconnected yes. from their environment. Um, if they're experiencing schizophrenic symptoms, they're, they're so much in their internal subjective experience that they're, mm-hmm. there's a space now between them and the outer world, the, mm-hmm. the, the world that is um, maybe what, what people are interacting with mutually. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that is, you know, whether that's something like schizophrenia or the dissociation or the disconnection of depression, say, depression, mm-hmm. it is a, a lowered energy where a person feels out of touch, out of touch with themselves, yes. out of touch with others. So th- yes. I think this talking about this relationship, what is your relationship to mm-hmm. uh, context is so important because there's an outer context, there's a physical environment, like the room you're in, the room that I'm in. Mm-hmm. But then you could, I think you could also talk about what is going on in the inner context. Exactly. Okay. Yes, uh, which belongs a lot to the context of how you grew up and your experience growing up. Right, right, you right. Know, you're, carrying, you're carrying that around. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, that you're whole context is in there all the time. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about, I took a training many years ago in family therapy, structural family therapy. Mm -hmm. And our supervisor, the way they did it was, it's out of the Philadelphia clinic, the way is that that the person practicing is working with a family and then there's a two-way mirror, okay? And then there's a supervisor on the other side who can call into you and the family understands this as part of the training and say, have you thought about this? Have you tried this? And our supervisor said, I want you to understand that if I call in, that's merely a suggestion from this side of the, the, the glass. You are in that room, you are reading the energy, and I respect that above all, which mm, is exactly what nice. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a, it's such a, it's such a powerful thing because, you know, when, when I've had that experience, um, when I was, uh, Going through my training, there the trainers uh, that were training us uh, utilized reflective circles or nar- mm-hmm. within narrative therapy. Right, right. So the the people observing, let's say behind the glass, observing the session, would then mm-hmm. come into the room. The therapist and the observers would have a conversation that would highlight um, what were the things and themes and resources that stood out to them. Mm-hmm. That would give an empowering message. And then the family could either go into the observation room or they could sort of just sit and then process what they're hearing from a third party observer of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then that could be a supportive thing. So it was utilizing the context in a creative yes. way to have Beautiful. these these kinds of layered conversations. And I think where, where, where I think playing with context has also been powerful is any kind of a demonstration I've seen of, of therapy, of family therapy, where there's an audience. And I think where the audience is there for training, 
I've been in, uh, or there it's a it's a clinical group or a counseling group or something like that. When it's not just the therapist and the couple, a therapist and the family, or a therapist and the individual, but the therapist and this group surrounding maybe a few people doing the work, whether it's one family or a couple or something like that. That group then serves as a community that helps support mm-hmm. and hold the energy with their attention. Yes. And I think that uh, that amplifies something. I don't know what I don't know what it is, but it amplifies something where it makes um, the the therapy even more powerful somehow. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. it's and it's something I think I don't know where community is missing in people's yes. lives or missing in yes. our culture. Yes. I, I feel like it brings that back yes. into the experience where, hey, you know, it's not just you isolated with this one therapist. Right. You know, you're surrounded by a community. And this is what happens when people, uh, you know, when I've seen young people or teenagers going to residential programs, uh-huh. it's like that's when they get it because they're living in a context with yes. child and youth workers, uh, family therapist, individual therapist, and then family, extended family, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. It's it's an extension of variety of levels of support. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's um, child protection services. And mm-hmm. so there is a variety of different people playing a different yes. role families lives and you know that's 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 in that's when things are are going not well you know mm-hmm. but i think there's in terms of community practice and bringing that mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. i think that's a touch point with context that that i'm curious about mm-hmm. you know wanting to work more with groups wanting to work, work more with intensive experiences over days not just one hour at a time yes. I yes. think this is, uh, and you know, like what I learned, what I know Virginia did was 30 day trainings. Like, yes. um, c- could you speak to that just in terms of the relationship between community and context yes. and, and your experience with that? I really believe the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And that, um, this, that when you have a supportive group, whether that's, you know, a 12 step group, some kind of spiritual group um, that where there is a sacredness about the connections uh, that, that there is an intention in there mm. that there right. is a lift up I used to th- I used to say it's like uh, if I if I am low on my self that day and I'm not very and all my parts are you know firing in my I'm not in myself I'm not in my home yeah. And I go to my spiritual community. I can borrow from the bank because I will feel it. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if I'm in a good place, when I go, I am adding to the self so somebody else can borrow from the bank. It's all unspoken, but it's there. Mm. And uh, I'm reading uh, Bessel van der Kolk's book, uh, The Body Keeps Score. And he talks so much about the need for social network support in the process. And I, I'm a part of a, a choir and I have been for years. And he over and over talks about the importance of choirs, of support groups, you know. And wow. yes, I was over, drumming, uh, helping the body with rhythms and movement, which I thought of you, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was sharing this with a friend who's in my choir, and she said, 
Oh, Sharon, it's the choir that had put helped me go through the really dark times of cancer. And mm -hmm. I never knew that, Tim. I never knew it was our choir. That she said I would say, oh, I just can't go. And then I would go and I go, oh, I feel better. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. It's so funny, Sharon. Like my some of my favorite people, I'm just noticing, like you're you're all in, in a choir. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I used to be in a choir. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know, one of the high yeah. points of my life yeah. was I was in um, uh, Hong Kong for the Satir Conference in 2010. Yeah. And there is a man named Ekman Tan who is a, a Christian minister who uh, has also written about Satir. And somebody said, hey, would you like to go up to the center? It's kind of a top of this mountain area in Hong Kong to meet Ekman, and um, I said, I would love it. So we drove up there, and it was about noontime. And he said, would you like to go have a chanting experience with me? Oh, God, I love this. <laughs> so we went down maybe 50 feet from where the center was. It was a cave, mm -hmm. and the cave had been set up so that there were benches on the side. And so this group of us all sat together and chanted inside this cave for 30 minutes. Oh my God, it was incredible. And you know, there is this oncologist, what's his name, Michael something, I'm blanking, who really, really promotes the power of sound therapy as an adjunct to chemotherapy or whatever you're going through. Because he says like 97% of the body is fluid and when you are, you know, creating harmonious vibrations into the body, it's very healing. And one of the stories he tells in his book, it's called The Sounds of Healing, is that there was this uh, group of priests or monks in France who were getting ill all the time. And nobody could figure out why they couldn't, you know, stay well. So somehow they brought in the sound therapist and he's asking them all kinds of questions. And he said, so when did this start? And they start realizing it started after uh, one of the popes came through with all those changes and they weren't doing nearly as much as they were used to doing in terms of ritual. Mm. They said, we used to chant like six hours a day and now we only chant two. And he said, you need to go back to six because your bodies are used to that. Right. And they're not defending against it. So supposedly when they went back to that, they got better. So I think there's a, there's so, so there's an oncologist. Stuff. There's an oncologist who wrote yes, a book called Michael, the sounds of healing. Sounds okay. of healing. Michael something. I can't remember his last oh, name. We'll use the power of Google to figure this out. Right. Yeah. Healing. Sound of healing. A, a physician reveals the power of sound. Mitchell. Mitchell. Gaynor. That's it. Mitchell Gaynor. Mitchell. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Mitchell Gaynor, Sounds of yeah. Healing. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to check that out. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just so there's I think there's two things that come to mind, which is what's happening with the breath when you chant. Mm -hmm. And and how deep like for choir, right? Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. deep breath, how in tune yes. with your body, how yes. present do you need to be? Uh Then, when you're synchronizing that sound across exactly. a group, what's happening there? 
Yes. But I think I think in terms of um, the power of um, the, the science related to um, heart rate variability and what happens when you extend your breath, right? Because the uh-huh. inhalation activates the sympathetic nervous system. Right. The exhalation activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Yes. The, the exhalation calms. The exhalation yes. slows things down, lowers yes. cortisol, stress yes. hormones. Yes. And then what, what are the other sort of physiological effects um, mm-hmm. that I think are, you know, just to add, a, add that um, part of, you know, my curiosity of what's going yes. on with sound. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not part of a choir. I'm not um, formally trained in any kind of music, but, um, but I do appreciate, because I grew up, my, my parents brought me to church. I always loved singing and loved witnessing and choir. And I think that kind of group synchronicity, even when you go to a concert and you're uh-huh. singing along, there's something yes. really magical happening. Yes. The Toronto Raptors, their basketball, our basketball yes. team. I actually rooted for them against my California team. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> Thanks to you. That's why not, they won. Not, my husband wasn't happy about that, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you're staying I have all these here. friends in Toronto, and the Raptors deserve this. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's 24 <laughs> years coming, and the oh, one yes. team. But, but you think about like tens of thousands of people, millions of yes. people across the country yes. chanting, expelling the, the loudest sound that they can. <laughs> From the deepest part of their lungs and there's all this joy there's all this happiness there's all this connection yep. happening i mean to 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 look at it that way on such a grand scale is something mm-hmm. um and i guess coming back uh, to our original topic of context it's like yep. what does what when what what is your sound production doing to the context right so if i'm interacting with my son and I'm what's inside of me is irritability, mm-hmm. uh, frustration about something. And then what comes out is a sound that, mm-hmm. that, that matches that, that I haven't yet contained or haven't acknowledged. It just comes out unconsciously. Right. What effect, what is that putting out in the context, you know? And like, I'm sure most people have had the experience when someone's in a bad mood and they walk into the room, yes. feel something. The way they're oh, carrying, yes, whether feel. it's vis- visually, you see the way they're carrying their body, yep. a lack of communication, or yep. something else that's um, beyond sensory experience. You feel something shift. Mm-hmm. And that that's the interaction between the inner and the outer context. Um, and being aware of that and paying attention to that, being able to just even put your finger on it, I think is so powerful. You know, this is, you know, all of our work as therapists is um, trying to increase awareness. But I guess where, what I'm curious about in, in this conversation with you is how thinking about co- the word context differentiates itself from, you know, often we talk about psychological patterns of feeling, of beliefs, and so mm-hmm. forth. That's a lot to do with psychological forms of consciousness. Um, but I think one of the strengths of Virginia is Virginia Satir's work is she would not stop there. She would think about the, the various layers of context. And, um, you know, in that interview I was telling where she's interviewing this family, she takes a few minutes to make sure that the mother is sitting comfortably. Mm-hmm. You know, she helps her adjust her chair. She creates a little bit more space between herself and her son and her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she just makes a big point out of 
being aware of the physical proximity and comfort that each family member was having and to point those things out. And, um, you know, I think now when we have so much distraction, we can kind of in, blend into our phones or kind of lose connection to our physical environment. Um, or it's getting easier and easier to lose touch with context. Exactly. So. It's, I think it's a serious problem in terms of relationships. Yeah. yeah. You're really helping me to appreciate that that piece with Virginia working, you know, because I've just thought of it more as making contact with each person. But you're right. She's really thinking about setting the context for safety and equality and contact, all of that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where um, that's where my working definition, which is not so helpful for me, is context is everything, which there, you know, people talk about that. That's like a as a as a, as a meme. It's it's not helpful in the sense of limit creating a limiting definition, but at least at this point, as I'm thinking about it, it's expanding my awareness of it, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if if I think about context as being everything, what could that mean? It's um, how are the clothes that I'm wearing affecting me? How are the clothes that I'm wearing affecting others? Mm -hmm. right? The colors that I'm choosing to wear, um, smells, right? Like. You know, if there's an air freshener or if there's maybe I'm not sensitive to sound, but maybe someone I'm working with is. How is yes. that affecting them? Yes. And then that physical part of the context interacting with the individual um, gives us an opportunity to practice, let's say, the freedom to comment. Mm -hmm. yes. So by modeling that and saying, you know, how, yeah. you know, before we even get started, how are you feeling here? Just kind right. of look around the room. Yeah. What are you noticing about it? Let yourself yeah. get grounded here. Yes. Um, is there anything that you're attracted to, or is there anything that you don't like? And mm -hmm. you know, some of my some of the people that I work will say, I really like that picture you have behind you. It really makes me mm -hmm. think of this and, and so forth. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, That's being in touch point. with, yes. with, with yes. your physical environment, the context is so important. But, um, yeah. I think there's another layer, Tim. That's only come to me recently, which is not external. But I think is really important in terms of thinking about context of self-other and context is the context of the developmental stage of each person in the family. Okay. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and it changes all the time, right? So every developmental change of that child or of the marriage or the, the partnership, whatever it is, all of those developmental changes are really changes in context. Right, right. Yeah. And when you when you talk about developmental tasks, it's it's I guess it's at least two things. One, what is the what what is the developmental process that they're mastering? Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. maybe for, a, you know, a toddler into preschool, it's like they're 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 mastering um, sound and they're ma mastering the use of three word sentences, say. Mm -hmm. Right. But what are they what are they going into next? Well, maybe they're, you know, as a toddler between two and four, they're developing greater awareness of others, right? Mm -hmm. Perspective taking uh, and more emotion regulation, more mm -hmm. awareness of their emotions and the ability to communicate that. Yes. Um, so it's like, where, where, what stage are you leaving? Maybe you're leaving potty training and you're, mm -hmm. and then you're entering into this other territory. So that's psychological context, I, I would imagine. Exactly. Um, exactly. 
I want to read, if you don't mind, I want to read a definition of context that I found online, sure. just a, a straight definition, and then that might stimulate some something else. Uh, context, the circumstances that form the setting for an event, statement, or idea, uh, in terms of, of which it can be fully understood and assessed. Okay, so that's one definition. The second definition is circumstances, conditions, surroundings, factors, states of affairs, uh, sorry, these are synonyms. Situations, yeah. environments, milieu, setting, background, um, scene, climate, atmosphere, ambience, mood, and feel. Mm -hmm. So out of that definition, any of those words stand out to you um, in terms of context as we're exploring this? I guess the one that stood out the most was circumstances. Okay. What's standing out to you about circumstances? Well, what I was talking about before is being real conscious of what are the circumstances I'm in and what's appropriate to say and not say. Okay. So that's in the present. Yes, in the present. Okay. And then what are the circumstances that caused me to maybe be overreactive in this situation that are coming from past or the same with other people what may be the circumstances in their past that are causing them to be overreactive in, in the mm. present yeah yeah and that, that makes me think of family of origin work mm -hmm. like Virginia's work with um, family reconstruction mm -hmm. where she would create these sculpts where individuals could see their parents meeting as a couple going through mm -hmm. a courtship period or them as children being raised by their parents, their grandparents, mm -hmm. and seeing the circumstances um, by which they were raised. What were yes. the cultural rules, the family rules yes. that set the tone for communication, for connection, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. love, uh, what was not allowed, yes. and in relationship to what can I feel, what can I say, all these things that, that we've touched upon before. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I guess the, the, maybe related to circumstance, one of the one of the um, words that stood out was um, mood or ambience, mm. uh, which is which is related to circumstances, but a little less concrete. Like circumstances, yes. Are yes. Uh -huh. date date and time, yep. which room were you in? Um, what you know? What did people literally say? Mm -hmm. But when we get into ambience or tone. Yes. Um, I don't know. It's that that definitely is related to context, but it's harder to put your finger on. Mm -hmm. um, like when you when you just go into someone's home, you feel something, and you're starting to interact with that environment, mm -hmm. and it's you in relationship, always a relationship between the self and the in the environment, the context, mm -hmm. um, and so w what is that and can you differentiate that between the self dis distinctively and the other and and where is the the overlap um so i guess i'm posing that as a question how like if we if we think just in a moment uh, at least on the element of atmosphere and tone um yeah what what is distinct in terms of context with that like and maybe you can think of a of an example where you were in a space where you felt something special, or you felt something maybe disturbing or upsetting. 
just by being there. Um, well, just the opposite, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but and I'm going to say it. Several people who have come to our home have said to me, "There's a very nice energy in your home," and I thought, well, "That's interesting," you know. <laughs> and I didn't. How, how do you define that? I don't know, but. Uh. Yeah. Why are we, why would you be embarrassed to say that? I don't know. It feels kind of braggy or something, but <laughs> Oh. So you it sounds like you have a rule about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um Yeah, well, when you cuz we've talked about home as like, you know, a place to return to mm-hmm. on the inside, you know, as like capital S self, like when you return to yourself, maybe that's a home inside. Yes. When you think about your physical home, um you know, I've never, I've never been to your house. Um, and, um, you know, with, with I learned coming up in October, I'm thinking of maybe inviting myself over. Oh, I, would <laughs> love it. I would love it. You know what John Bandman said to me one day, wait, somebody said that in a group or something. Yeah, it's yeah. real nice to be at Sharon's home. And John Bandman shocked me. He said, yeah. He said, I was at her house and it was real clear. I could go to the refrigerator and get myself something to drink and didn't even have to ask. <laughs> oh. I'm yeah. so surprised. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I guess it's difficult because I want to ask you, you know, how does it feel to be in your home? But it's kind of like asking someone, you know, <laughs> how does your voice sound to you? Yeah, or like, how know. does, you, you know, I it's like. No, it was complete you're, shock you're, to me. It yeah, felt wonderful, it. but I was so surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, we love having people here. We love. And, and maybe that's, you know, the essence of it is just taking joy in people. Mm. Well, I th- you know, one of the ways that we've defined, we've, we've described congruence, um, I, I hesitate to say that we've defined it, but we're, we're talking about it is the flow of energy yes. between people. And yes. I know Virginia talked about the flow. Let's say a communication is the flow of information from mm-hmm. one person to the other. So yes. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling like I want to connect with you. Um, would you be open to that, right? And just, just mm-hmm. like, let's let's just let it out, even though it's vulnerable, even though it's scary. Let's try to break through some of those layers that get in the way. And when I think about the f- the flow of energy as it relates to context, it's um, what you just described that someone would feel welcome to, mm-hmm. you know, get themselves something to eat or to drink if that's what they needed to do to take care of themselves that that's what's going on implicitly because you know yes. i don't know if you had said that no um, no no pointed it out uh-huh. but to to feel that in the environment and to feel that you know it's in that sort of continual relationship between yourself the person that's visiting you and the environment mm-hmm. um is is quite something so maybe we can, like, as, as we, uh, um, I'm mindful of the time now, mm-hmm. could we think of uh, maybe suggestions for people to consider in terms of um, how they might play with this idea of context in their lives um, s- to make it a little bit more concrete, mm-hmm. right? What, what are some useful um, ideas or suggestions that you might give to someone so that they start thinking about context. So one one thing's the, I'll start just so you have a time mm-hmm. to think about it. One thing that I think about is is just strictly the physical realm of context mm-hmm. is to think about your to maybe 
and and this is something for me to play around with too is um how is the physical environment what i'm seeing what i'm hearing what i'm smelling um the temperature of the room those physical elements how are mm-hmm. how am i using that mm-hmm. or how how is it not useful to me what what's kind of going on in my in the physical realm of context mm-hmm. um and to pay attention to that to be mindful of that that's a you know that's a a grounding exercise often that that people will do where right. you know when when you've done a lot of work maybe you've you've done a, a visualization or a meditation to orient yourself back to the room is very important mm-hmm. so you can be present but i think to to try a practice where maybe you go through a whole day and you're paying attention to you know what does this physical environment feel like what is the atmosphere like here mm-hmm. you know what is what is the energy of the room based on its color, its smell, mm-hmm. you know, the, the kind of culture that we have here as a different entity to my feeling as a, as an individual or your, mm-hmm. uh, your, you, um, but to think of context as this third element and to try to grow an awareness of it. So that's, and that's then I would I mean. add to it, the context of relationship, you know, where, where am I at this moment in this relationship? Am I a parent? And I need to say something to my partner that is private about how we're dealing with such and such a child. Or am right. I a parent getting ready to take three children to the grocery store? How yeah. am I going to deal with that context? Because it's a horrendous one for parents to try to deal with three children or whatever at a grocery store, that context. So constantly being aware, what is the context that I'm dealing with here and how can I deal with it? Yeah, yeah. I, so I guess you're pointing out a, a more psychological Mm-hmm. Um, context, which is what role am I yes. playing? Uh, so, for example, let's let's take a couple that have children and also a business together. They run a business okay. together. Okay. So the role is: Are we talking as business partners? Which yes. hat am I wearing? Or yes. Are we talking as a as a married couple in terms of our yes. romantic life? Yes. Are we talking as parents? If one person is talking at the level of business, their business together, and then one parent wants to uh, connect romantically mm-hmm. um, they're living in different contexts psychologically yes. and then yes. there's going to be a huge disconnect there yes. but to be aware to be even comment on it it's like what hat are you wearing mm-hmm. in relationship to this time this place that we have together mm-hmm. um, where, where are you right mm-hmm. because you could be in the same room but be living in very different contexts yes. Um, yes. so yes. an awareness of that I think could be very useful and um, my sister said that she had a, a pastors who were male man and woman who were a couple mm-hmm. and they joked and said they did their business underneath the sheets together and i thought <laughs> yeah no <laughs> if you're still talking about church business and you're in bed together no <laughs> yeah yeah no maybe not the best con- not, maybe not, not the exact the best. context yeah for that <laughs> um I, I was thinking about how you know within Virginia's mandala, the eight mandalas, and I had a conversation with Stephen about this uh, in one of the podcast episodes. Those are all different contexts. Exactly. Yes. Right? Um, in, in one of those elements is a context, but you know, let's say that I'm feeling physically tired. Yes. The context that's calling me is the dream world. Mm-hmm. Is is my bed, and it's calling me to take care of that that element of me. Mm-hmm. If there's uh, maybe an existential void, anxiety about the meaning in my life, then 
that might be a more spiritual context that's calling me. So then I started to think, what is the interaction between feelings and the call upon these different contexts that, that draw us forth, right? Huh. So a feeling of loneliness might be a feeling that's calling up the need to visit the relational context, uh -huh. to connect in, in the arena of meeting and connecting to people I know or are new people. So it, it, just thinking about context opened up a different way of thinking about feelings. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes we think about feelings as what does the individual need? Da, da, da. But to, to think about that connection between feelings and various contexts, yes. um, what, is, what is the space that I need to visit now, mm -hmm. given what I'm feeling? Mm, uh, that's um, nice. Yeah. yeah. Is, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. How about just for the audience, if you identify the different choices within the mandala? Yeah, so the eight elements of the mandala are um, intellectual, right? Mm -hmm. So if the context is I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of bored or I'm feeling unstimulated, do you, would it be useful to pick up a book or to ask someone, you know, what are they researching? What's interesting? Or listening to a podcast like this mm -hmm. that that might explore different ideas and things like that that might stimulate the their intellectual uh, the intellectual context. Um, then there's relational, which I mentioned, so to connect with other people, friends, romantic family. Um, there's sensual, so um, if I'm stuck inside all day, do I need, and I'm feeling run down, do I need to visit nature and mm -hmm. be out and, and get some sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. So these contexts might be related to a, a yearning there. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's context, which I think means formally like what, you know, um, what's the, the the physical context? You know, am I at work or am I at home? Yes. Am I with my family? Am I with friends? Um, am I at a restaurant? Am I? You know, where am I? Um, mm -hmm. The context. And then, what are the other nutritional? Nutritional, yeah. So the context of what's going in and through my body. And one of the things that Stephen Buckby um, talked to me about is. You know, you can think about nutritional as just a general theme. How am I nurturing myself? Mm -hmm. um, but um, but I think in the realm of context, it's, you know, different cravings or different appetites um, that are connected to different feelings um, might point us in different directions, right? So if I'm feeling, if I'm sick, what I want to be nurtured by is maybe a cup of warm soup. If I'm feeling like yesterday, I was sitting on my front porch with my son, who's two and a half, and we were staring at the ice cream truck that was like <laughs> blasting its tune yes. for like 10 minutes. And we were just looking and he just kept saying ice cream truck, ice cream truck, ice cream truck. And then in one moment, he says, I want an ice cream. Aww. And he said it so clearly. And I said, <laughs> OK, so then I, I, I ran inside, got some money, came out, got an ice cream. And then he was then he was not into it. <laughs> so, he, yeah, he changed his mind. He was like, nope, I don't, you know, whether it was cold or if it was just ah, something interesting, he, mm -hmm. he didn't want to try it. But, um, but that's, that's a, that's a context of exploration and of yep. fun and, um, you know, gaining weight and <laughs> <laughs> being, being joyful, hopefully about that. Um, and there's a spiritual. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And which, again, we talked about, it's like there's, uh, you know, what is my connection to, to life? You know, what is yes. my connection to 
um, meaning, what is if it's if you if you believe in God, what's my connection mm-hmm. to God, um, and context, interactional, spiritual, sensual, emotional, intellectual, physical. Yeah, I think we got them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's more. You know, what's mm-hmm. what's your financial situation, right? Yeah. That's a context. Oh, geez. right. Yes. And, and um, so yeah. there's there's other kind of ways which could probably be integrated to one of the dimensions, but yeah, it's um, and then career, right? That's a con. That's another context. Yes. Um, that could be parceled out. So, yeah. um, as you said, it's an ocean. There's so many ways you can. Uh, there's so many ways to talk about it. About context, you know? yeah. And I think one one way of thinking about it is. When we're talking about context, we're we're talking about the what's happening in the spaces, what's happening in the space between you and I, mm-hmm. what's hap- what's the what's the temperature of a space, mm-hmm. um, and and in a in a therapeutic context, what what is that room and what is that therapist doing in order to hold the space, mm-hmm. the the sacredness of working with someone's yes. healing and growth process, yes. what uh, what is happening in that that space for that person so that they can um, take a risk, be vulnerable, do their work. Um, So context is everything. And we could, we could talk more and more about this. So why don't we, um, does that seem like an okay place to stop for today? Sure. Okay. So why don't we stop there?